Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A lot has changed in 2020, but nothing more than maybe air travel. Justin Meyer, the Deputy Director of Aviation for Marketing, is our next guest on the KC Bobcast, and he talks about everything that KCI has been through this year and where we stand with a new terminal coming in just a couple of years. Well, I guess needless to say, Justin, 2020 has probably been the most challenging year for, for you in, in particular, for the airport, for the airline industry, and, and everything. So I'll just start it out and go, sum up 2020, my friend, would you? <laughs> well, it's, uh, I'd say in a word, terrible. Um, you know, there's, uh, of course, the, the sadness of, of seeing passenger levels at the airport at the lowest that they've been um, historically since this facility opened. And, um, you know, we're seeing slow rebounds, but it's just been such a negative impact on, on life in general. Uh, you know, there's so many trips that you were supposed to take and I was supposed to take and here, you know, here we are. So it's, uh, it's been a tough year for sure. Yeah, no question. I mean, so, you, you know, a, a tough year also translates into, obviously, I, I would imagine a tough future too, with people trying to get that confidence again in flying. And as you guys are you know, building a new terminal up there at KCI, you're counting on landing fees and all kinds of stuff like that. What, what has 2020 done for KCI in particular with the new terminal being constructed and, and nobody really going anywhere? This, it's actually, I think my answer will be surprising in that it's been very reinforcing of the work that we've done in the direction that we've, we're going. So there are a lot of airport projects across the country that are currently in limbo as airlines are saying, you know, we're not so sure. We don't know if we actually want to do this or we don't want to commit ourselves to these dollars. Um, but the, it's with absolute unanimity that the airlines have continued to support the project in Kansas City. Uh, we're, of course, as you know, a 2023 timeline in time for the NFL draft. And uh, I, uh, I have high confidence that uh, air travel in 2023 won't look like air travel in 2020, at least in terms of passenger volumes that we've had this summer. We're seeing continual slow growth uh, capacity is coming back. Passengers are coming back. Um, it's just at a slow rate. But the good news for us, again, the terminal opens in 2023, and we have a financial commitment from the airlines to pay for the new terminal through 2028. So uh, it's not, um, there's not a real opportunity for anybody just to punt and, and walk away. So, so why is it that you guys seem to get the commitment from the airlines and maybe some other places are going, whoa, hold on a second here? 
I think it's primarily because it's such a transformational project that our our facility has has been past its useful life for a long time, and I think our airline partners know quite well that that being as far through the project as we are um, that stopping it now or trying to make it smaller now doesn't actually end up helping uh, the airlines financially at all. So this is one of those that uh, we just got to keep keep pushing forward. And again, really, really pleased of the support that we have from our airline partners so far. I, I heard him say the other day when you guys were, were talking about, you know, getting women and minority businesses involved and, and whatnot. And that's, that's just an incredible by you guys to be able to, to do stuff like that and employ so many people right now. And obviously, you know, everybody's looking for jobs and looking for work and you guys continue to, to hire and employ great businesses here in Kansas city. They said on time and on budget. And, and that's like something you never hear. And, and nobody ever says on time and on budget for anything. How have you guys been able to stick to, not only to the timeline, but, but also to the, budget as well with this you know it's really a hats off to to the developer um, who understood the the commitment needed to keep this project moving forward on time and to stay focused on the cost so of course there's been times where we've been you know we've been sitting in meetings saying wouldn't it be great if and uh, wouldn't it be great if the floors really 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 sparkled and you're like well there's a cost impact to that so um, there's been a lot of a lot of feedback back and forth um, between the developer Edgemore Clark Waits Clarkson and the aviation department and our airline partners to really make sure that we're all getting exactly what we need uh, and and what we want and it's um it's really just spectacular especially through COVID the the processes and procedures that the developer put in place to protect their workforce and to protect the project has certainly been noteworthy. So so what's a day like at the airport now? I imagine there's no business travelers. There's not a lot of leisure travelers. Is it, is it like a ghost town up there? I mean, how, how, are, how are things happening right now? No, it's, it's coming back, Bob. We actually uh, just had a complaint uh, earlier this week from someone that said there's too many, pa- too many people using one of the buses from the rental cars uh, place. And so that's, well, good, you yeah. know? So, okay, uh, we want to enforce, you know, ma- mask wearing and keep everybody safe, but um, having having people back, especially if they're t- being uh, taking care and using using the precautions they need to, um, it's it is it is coming back. We're seeing uh, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but you know we're thousands of passengers again flying out every day. Um, I think we had uh, in a couple cases twelve thousand total passengers here some days recently. So that that ends up being a, a decent a decent number of people. Of course, not where not anywhere close to where we were when we were putting about a thousand a million passengers a month in the summer through our facility. Um, but it's coming back. Uh, we have been working with our airline partners and working with some of the businesses in Kansas City to try to understand what they see for demand to come back and to be a little bit of the mediator between some of the Kansas City's largest companies and the airlines that are doing business here to help the airlines understand where the businesses need to go. Uh, so uh, we're really we're taking on new conversations and new roles that we haven't necessarily necessarily have been in before, but it's, that's the work. That's what needs to be done. So we're, we're jumping all in. So, so what is, is the typical, I guess, expectation for a traveler now, as you mentioned, you haven't flown since March, but at least you're up at the airport. I haven't been the airport. I think February was the last time we got on a plane up there. What's the expectation for someone who hasn't flown in almost a year or clearly hasn't flown during this, this pandemic now? 
Well, it's a, lo- it's a lot the same and it's a lot different. So it's the same in that we're still encouraging people to get to the airport with enough time to go through the security checkpoint. Uh, the thing that's different now is as you're going through the security checkpoint, you'll have a mask on. Uh, as you were uh, previously, you know, limitations on gels and liquids, those are still in place with the exception of uh, hand sanitizer. And you can have like a gallon jug of hand sanitizer with you and that's like A-OK. So it's some the same, some different, but uh, we've seen our airlines have been very vocal and these are airline policies, been very vocal and stringent on the mask mandates uh, in flight. And their, um, their uh, punishment for those that choose to remove a mask or not wear a mask in flight is to, uh, to ban those travelers, to put them on a no-fly list. So uh, that, I think, is a pretty good hammer for the airlines to have to, to enforce that, uh, that procedure and policy. Um, and uh, we still have a few of our airlines here implementing a uh, middle seat block. So Southwest and I think Delta still have mandated that. Not all airlines are doing that. So certainly for anyone that's thinking about traveling or getting ready to travel, uh, be aware of different procedures that each airline has in place. Well, and, and I think that's, that's kind of good that you have that, like that hammer, as you mentioned, where if you're not going to wear your mask during this time, we're going to put you on that no-fly list and, and basically never let you fly again. Have there been disturbances up at the airport? Are people like losing their minds and freaking out about the mask wearing like we see, or are people following these rules? There's pretty good, um, pretty good adoption. We haven't necessarily seen um, any major issues. We, of course, being in the middle of the country are – are a, a pretty popular diversion airport for some transcon flying uh, when there's medical issues or other disturbances. And, and I, ha- I haven't seen any alerts for a plane dropping in because somebody wants to fight about masks. So um, it's, we've seen pretty good ad- adoption there. You know, I, I know it's not necessarily your area, you know, but you do work in the industry. And one of the things with the airlines for all these years is that, you know, they basically had kind of carte blanche to do whatever they wanted to travelers. You know, oh, sorry, we're bumping you. Sorry, there's weather. Sorry, there's this. Sorry, there's that. Wasn't much sympathy involved. Are airlines getting to a point now where they're becoming more sympathetic for the traveler? And maybe we're seeing better customer service now starting to come back from some of these airlines? Well, I, th- I think... You made the, the important point that I'm not an airline guy. I'm not an airline employee. I work for the airport. But we, I think what we've seen is because demand has gone down so much that the airlines are really having to fight for passengers again. And so you've seen, uh, I think all of the major airlines, Southwest already had the policy, but all the other airlines have gotten rid of change fees. Like who, who would have thought a year ago that airlines would have just said, oh, it's okay. We used to get away with charging you $200 every time you wanted to change your ticket and you just had to deal with it. But now those are gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we're seeing uh, airlines have to fight for passengers again in a way that they haven't before, uh, just because demand is is so depressed. Um, so that's a cer- that's certainly a, a win for the customer uh, in that uh, customer service in, in that way uh, is 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 higher. One of the other things that we've seen, uh, we keep keep eyes on a few different national. Um, satisfaction surveys and there's one that recently came out and every airport over the course of 20 the first part of 2020 i think it was through september of 2020 over that year period like every airport's customer service scores went up but you're kind of like well why is that are we what we're we're cleaning and we've implemented you know procedures here at the airport uh to make things safer um but i think it's probably just well, I like it better when it's not so crowded. I like not 
sitting on the floor because there's plenty of chairs around. So I think that we've seen that certainly Kansas City scores have gone up, but I think across the country scores have gone up just because it's a it's a it's an easier experience to be quite honest right now. Planes aren't as full, airports aren't as full, security lines aren't as full. You know, one of our signatures, the line for the restroom inside the gate area isn't as long. So uh, all those things are are hopefully hopefully uh, uh, positive trends that we'll see continue. But uh, it you know it took it took a while to get the airlines to a place where they were making as much money as they were in 2018 and 2019. Uh, really, you know, it was almost a 10-year recovery from the from the Great Recession. So we'll see how long this one takes. Um, but uh, I've, I'm known to tell people that I don't think the greatest risk to air travel is Zoom meetings. I think the greatest risk to air travel is teleportation, and we haven't really figured that out yet. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not one to overly sound the alarm. Do, do you feel that consumer confidence in flying. And I, I think that's what it is. It's not for me. It's not necessarily about that. I don't want to spend the money to go. It's that I don't know that I feel like getting on that plane. How are they going to get consumer confidence up where they, where they can tell you that it is okay to fly and make a guy like me who's got a little OCD and I'm like, yeah, it's okay to get on that plane. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, we know that on the business side, of course, business travelers are a real key component for airlines. And we know that several airlines have reached out to some of their largest corporate customers across the nation and said, we want you to come to the airport. We want to bring your travel managers and your vice presidents and your CEOs to see what we're doing, see what cleaning an airplane looks like, see what our procedures we have in place to help give you that confidence. That's for the business side. On the leisure side, we're seeing airlines market again in ways that they haven't really um, kind of a when you're ready, we're ready kind of message. Certainly not saying everything's fine, get on an airplane and go to Florida, um, but really helping you feel comfortable uh, there. So I think that we'll see airlines continue to uh, to message along those lines uh, for a while. Um, and, but I think the thing that's, that, that I've heard, I, again, I haven't traveled since March, but from my, my, my colleagues and my friends that have, uh, have all been very positive about the experience in that I've never seen an airplane that clean or, um, you know, everyone, everyone was following, you know, like no one even jokes like about taking the mask down, you know, people, a lot of airlines now are kind of serving a, you know, a snack and a, and a drink and like a baggie. And um, my, my, one of my real good friends who just went on a trip said, of the 10 people around him, nobody even touched it because it meant like, well, I was going to have to take my mask off to eat. And it was only an hour and a half flight. So like, just don't worry about it. But I'll, the other thing, and I think it is the, the concern. Uh, and if you remember the, uh, the little, the little clip in the movie Hobbs and Shaw about how fresh the air is on airplanes. Uh, that's uh, not true. In fact, in that the air on aircraft is, is recycled um, every couple minutes. So, uh, it's, I think that the thing for me personally, Bob, that makes me feel comfortable about getting back on an airplane. And we've got a couple trips booked here in the near future and I'm looking forward to, to traveling again. But the thing that gives me comfort is really knowing that I've got to do everything I can to protect myself. And I've got to trust those people around me to protect my, themselves, which protects me. And the fact that the airlines, again, with the, with the mask mandate and the punishment of not following the mask mandate, 
makes me actually feel more comfortable about going to get on an airplane than I would feel about going to a bar or going to some other indoor location where I don't know as much about how frequently the air is exchanged. And I don't feel like there's any sort of punishment for those people that may choose to pull down their mask to sneeze, you know, the, those kind of things. All right. You, you mentioned, I think, something that I, that I find to be very fascinating. You're kind of being a liaison between the business community and the airlines. What are business leaders in Kansas City saying? Because you said you don't think Zoom meetings are going to like kill the airline industry, if you will. What are business leaders in Kansas City saying about it? We partnered with the Greater Kansas City Chamber of Commerce um, and the KCADC and a few others just recently to do a business travel survey that, uh, that they sent out to their membership and came back with some really good feedback. Uh, one of the questions was, you know, how significantly will, will the coronavirus impact business travel? And it was, everyone agreed that there was going to be an impact, but no one said, I'm not traveling again ever. So I think that we'll, we'll see, and the expectation is that we'll get back to kind of 75%. Everybody kind of feels comfortable with that. Um, but I think it's contingent upon a lot of things like like numbers going down or vaccines being manufactured or, and, and then taken. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that there's a lot of kind of unknowns there. Um, but one of our largest, one of the largest companies in, in Kansas City that does, uh, is a frequent traveler out of here, um, they're, we're working with them to try to figure out ways to help uh, help give them some, some location space to do some rapid testing for their employees that are getting ready to travel so that when they land on the ground in, uh, you know, Washington, that they can say, hey, I just, my test just came back. I'm good to go. Let's work together. Um, so I think that it, there's some adjustments like that that are being, that being done, but I, I certainly don't think um, that the business travel is, is over. Um, you know, look at your business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, photograph team photographers still have to travel. Um, you know, um, media that reports on sports still has to travel. Uh, so I think that it's uh, it's different and it's somewhat smaller. Um, but in some cases, you know, the the the, uh, the Patriots come in and they have to bring two planes instead of just one. So. Right. Yeah. And then you cash in a little bit more at the airport because of that. Sure, I, yeah. I, I love the way you're thinking with that. What about leisure travel? When do you think families will start get back into the travel cycle? Do you think it's going to be next summer? Is that really when we're going to start to see kind of everybody say, okay, let me, let me get going again? I think the, this kind of virtual school and work from home for everybody, it really opens up a lot of opportunities. And I think I've, I'm hearing this from some of the airlines that they're seeing that the September, October is usually a horrible time for, for leisure travel. There's just nothing. So everybody just went back to school. There's not a holiday really until kind of, you know, um, Thanksgiving. So September, October is just really, really rough. But some of the airlines are saying that they're seeing people, uh, seeing some demand. And, and the idea is maybe people are saying, if I can work from home and my kid can learn from home, why wouldn't we want to do that in like Wyoming? Or why wouldn't we want to do that, you know, uh, like outside Yellowstone and stuff like that? So I think that those that, that leisure component that actually never existed before is starting to develop. I think the real question is what does – I don't know what Thanksgiving looks like. I mean, you know, do families really get together? Um, do you sit around a table? Like what kind of risk is there? And I, every family will be different uh, there. But I, I myself, we've got, a, we've got a spring break trip booked. Uh, that I'm opti optimistic about 
Um, but I think that the, the big peaks, I think the peaks and the valleys are going to start to kind of equalize a little bit as kind of, you can kind of travel anywhere at any time now with the, with the, uh, the technology that's in place and allowing people and the expectations that not everybody needs to be in the office or not everybody needs to be in the classroom at the same time. Yeah. I, believe me, I've had those thoughts as well. I'm like, man, if we, if we can do this at home and we can do, why can't I go to Colorado for a week mm-hmm. or Florida or someplace like that and just kind of, you know, bounce around and, and still educate your kids of going someplace different, you know, all right. the time and experiencing what they have to experience. You mentioned Thanksgiving. What is holiday travel looking like around the airline industry right now? We don't really have the ability to see advanced bookings because those are taken specifically by each airline. And that's not something that they share with a lot of regularity or at all. But what we can see is future flight capacity. And when we look into uh, November, we're seeing seat capacity for the entire month of November. And this isn't, this isn't Thanksgiving by itself, but we're seeing for Kansas City that the um, the year-over-year decline in terms of seat capacity, which had been more than 50% from March up until November, it, it takes over. So seat capacity for the entire month of November is only down about 45% uh, right now. Um, certainly, we expect that airlines are going to be kind of maximizing schedules around that, that Thanksgiving period because that, you know, that weekend is one of the, the prime money-making or had been one of the prime money-making opportunities on the airline side. Um, but what's really encouraging is just to see that capacity slowly start to come back. You know, we saw a lot of nonstops go away. A lot of big airplanes got small really quick in, in April and May, and we're starting to see routes come back. Uh, you know, uh, United turned back on Washington Dulles, Newark, a market you're always talking to me about, uh, that's got nonstop service again. Delta just started, uh, uh, or just will bring back uh, Kansas City, New York, LaGuardia in November. So those those kind of things are starting to come back. We had a at that press conference you mentioned about the 100 uh, MBWB businesses that we celebrated there on Tuesday morning. Uh, the mayor had to stop speaking because a Delta aircraft took off, and I pulled up my, my little flight tracker just to see where it was because it was a pretty big airplane. It was an Airbus A321, and it was going to Minneapolis. And I was like, I don't even remember – Planes that big going to Minneapolis like in the good days. So granted, frequency is a little bit less, but again, encouraged to see um, capacity continuing to come back. And I think that looking at future flight schedules, we'll see that trend continue towards Thanksgiving and then into December as well. Is it still a Delta kind of boneyard up there at the airport or still 100 Delta flights? No, that was a crazy visual, wasn't it? When we yeah. had about 100 aircraft uh, parked on the ton- runways and taxiways associated with our right side, east side runway. Um, those planes were here for maybe 45 days. Most of them were gone um, by May, mid-May, I think. Uh, so we've had all of our runways open again. But that was a, a just a shocking visual when they when those planes first started showing up. I was it was kind of cool, you know. It was all these airplanes coming in, and and then I found myself that I couldn't even like if I was driving in or out, I I wouldn't even like look at it just because it was such a created such a, like a negative emotional response for me. Uh, but we were really, really glad to see them uh, see them go back into service. We have seen um, some of those aircraft that were here actually um, have been retired. So Air Canada brought in some older 767s that were probably 25 years or older, and uh, and those are off to the scrapper. Um, and in fact, I had a uh, an opportunity to just watch an Iceland Air 757 just landed at about 11 o'clock this morning, and. Uh, 
we haven't, of course, had scheduled Iceland air service, but that plane's not doing scheduled service. It's here to be scrapped as well. So it's, uh, it's you know, it's neat to see some, some stuff going on, but it's also really sad because uh, aircraft are being retired at a really rapid rate. And, and a lot of my friends and colleagues inside the industry that are pilots and flight crew members and work at headquarters at airlines are also all unemployed. Um, yeah. So we're hopeful that, that things continue to head in the right direction, but it's, it's really difficult to turn an airline back on when it's been turned off. So, um, you know, there's a lot of political positioning as to what, what the, the federal level needs to do to keep our airlines alive. And everybody's got a different opinion about that. But I think the, the, the person who would lose um, most is, is a frequent traveler that's used to having competition and, 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 and good, good airfare because mm -hmm. there's so much, so many airlines in the market. So we'll see where that goes, but uh, it'll be interesting how that plays out over the next well, month or two. Let, let, let's talk about something that, you know, maybe we talked about in January and February before this pandemic hit. And what you like to do is add routes and, and, and cities and stuff like that to, to Kansas City. Where, what are, you, what are you, you adding anything right now? Like, what, what, what are you doing right now in that department? The goal has really gone from new routes to route restoration. So we were about 53 nonstop destinations served from Kansas City International Airport in March uh, of this year before this all happened. And we're at about 35 now. So there's some markets that we, we need to get back sooner. Kansas City, Boston is currently unserved. That's a huge market for no flights. Kansas City, San Francisco is the same. Uh, United hasn't restored that flight yet. So when it comes to what airlines I'm talking to and, and what those conversations are, it's really trying to get those things turned back on. I just had a conversation with Air Canada at the beginning of this week um, about Toronto. They operate uh, just one flight a day, Kansas City to Toronto, but it's a really great gateway, transatlantic. Well, there's no transatlantic demand because the the requirements for uh, and the bans for Americans to arrive into into Europe right now. So um, that continues to get pushed back. But that was one that I was actually we had we had secured a win on that one. Uh, Air Canada was going to increase that from a smaller 50 seat regional jet to a 75, 90 seat aircraft. So that was all set to happen this summer, and then then it just all went away. We also right. had Southwest that was set to begin weekend service only to Charleston, South Carolina, which is a pretty popular destination for Kansas Cityans that like kind of getting down in that area, Myrtle Beach, Charleston, Savannah, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and that, that was selling, they were taking, selling tickets on it and everything, but then it was supposed to start in May and nope. Wow. So at some point we'll get back to chasing those, uh, those destinations. We're still, I'm still in, working my relationships that I have with airlines on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, but really, we've really focused away from what's the timeline, how can we make this happen to, you know, are you okay? Is your family safe? How is everybody doing? I had a, a friend of mine who works at uh, network planning at a really big German airline. Um, he got married this summer and I had gotten invited to his wedding in Germany. I was so excited. I was like, this is like the coolest thing because you know, the cultural exchange of Germany is like, I'm like, are we, we were like business colleagues. Or are we friends now? Cause I think we're friends. And he's like, yeah, come to my wedding. And I was like, this is the greatest. And then, uh, and then that whole thing, everything Man. just kind of went to hell. So um, uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, you know, recovery is on the horizon. And I think things are as, as we're not there yet, and we're certainly not in a post-pandemic world, and I can't wait to say the word post-pandemic because we're in it, but 
Uh, we're, I think, at a, in a post-pandemic peak world, and I think if we can all keep doing what we need to do as a nation to protect each other and, and get our country healthy again, um, everybody wins in that situation. You're always very optimistic when we talk about everything. So put your optimistic hat on. When the new terminal opens in March 2023, maybe, right before the draft, yep. how many destinations will be out of Kansas City? What will air traffic look like then out of Kansas City with your, with your optimistic before the pandemic? This is what I wanted to see happen. You know, I think most of it comes back. I think we're back to... 50, probably. I think we'll have most of it. You know, some of the ones that we're missing are like San Antonio and Austin. Those, those routes made great money. Those were, those were profitable routes that did really well with one flight a day. And I think that those kind of markets can come back. Uh, there's a lot of synergies, you know, the I-35 corridor and Big 12 and a lot of things that make, you know, Austin work. Uh, some of the other markets that are a little bit more have been a little bit more business focused and didn't have a lot of volume. So maybe like a Kansas City, Milwaukee is a route that we don't have service back yet. Um, Kansas City, Indianapolis, uh, Cincinnati. Um, I think those are going to be some of the harder ones to turn back on just because it is going to be so reliant on the business traveler. But I do think we're back to 45 to 50 when we open the new terminal. And again, I, I, I still believe that the new terminal will allow airlines, should they still be interested, to do some things that they haven't been before to flow some passengers through Kansas City. If you remember, it was April of 2016 that Southwest Airlines sat in front of Kansas City City Council and said, we throttle back flights over Kansas City because the connecting experience is so bad. Mm -hmm. Well, we're solving that right outside my window. It's amazing, it looks incredible. And uh, once the Build KCI project is done, uh, that those reasons to self-implement limitations are completely eliminated. And uh, I think, when I travel, there are certain airports that I really enjoy connecting through, be it because it's always a short walk or because there's a restaurant I really like to grab something at while I'm making a connection or, uh, or just because it's a neat space to fly through. And I think Kansas City is going to really flip from one of those airports that people avoid connecting through to an airport that people enjoy connecting through. And I think that will happen instantly. At that point, at that, at that point then we just really need to be out messaging what a pleasurable experience that is and why people need to come experience the heart of Can the heart of the nation in Kansas City, even if it's only for a 45 minute layover. Uh, I think we'll be make, able to make a really positive first impression with the city. Travel seems to be a little bit on the rebound here late in 2020. Hopefully that continues and by 2021 we're all back in the friendly skies. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 